0: Welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Corey. And I'm Shanik. And we're glad that you joined us again this morning, this evening, whenever you're listening to us. If you would do us a favor, go to Apple Podcasts, click on our podcast, scroll down, you'll see stars. Give us stars and write a review. We would love your feedback. We appreciate that. The more reviews, the more stars, the more. We get encouraged. It? We engage. But no, I was going <laughs> to. The more that. listens,
1: the more, the more uh, accessibility. Like, yeah. Yeah, whatever. yeah. The more it's promoted, but that's promoted. okay. But also, if you don't listen to Apple, maybe you're on Spotify or BuzzFeed, or maybe you just click on the link when you see it on socials, um, share that link with a friend. Yeah. Let people know that uh you're liking the podcast and hopefully it'll lead to some great conversation with uh with your friends and family
0: yes this week's question of the week it is holy week good friday coming up easter coming up yep so we're talking about resurrection well of course that's what you talk about what's what you talk about easter so what better question than to ask if you could choose any celebrity to resurrect who would it be and why
1: man great question the first person that I thought of whenever um, you asked me right before this podcast uh, started um, so I can be thinking, but it's Chris Farley. It's got (laughs) man, black sheep, um, Tommy boy, Beverly Hills, ninja. I mean, Saturday night live um, in a van down by the river. You know, that guy, Um, the dude was just hilarious, but I like that like slapstick comedy. Mm -hmm. I like the goofy comedy. One of my favorite actors today is Adam Sandler, but that's just what I like. A lot of people can't stand him. Yes. I'm sure there's a lot of people that didn't, you know, like his uh, manner of humor or uh, how he perceived the world and how he, um, you know, played in just these crazy, goofy, so stupid uh, roles. You know, kind of like a um, fat guy <laughs> and a little, little co. Yeah, what I'm thinking of too. What's the dude that plays like Ace Ventura? Um, oh, Jim, Jim Carrey! Yeah. <laughs> like that, another role like that. But anyway, so yeah, he uh, actually, I think overdosed is, uh, is yep. what I remember years ago, 97, um, kind of in the prime of his life, 97 or 98. Yeah. Around that time frame, And highly successful was beginning to be a pretty well known celebrity, not just doing like Saturday Night Live skits, but also starring in some movie roles that were gaining popularity. And, uh, yeah, dude overdosed and died. I remember, um, whenever it was, I think it was when I was in high school. Yeah. My junior, senior year, I remember being pretty upset and disappointed because how many more movies would be out there that I would love because of him? How many more people could he bless in the world by just being himself? And he was loved, but maybe he didn't know it.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I thought of this question, and asked you, I had like four names written down and his name was not on the list. And as soon as you said it, I'm like, that's my answer. Cause imagine how many more movies that we would be quoting today had yeah. he not died. It was sad, yeah. but my, I got so many that I don't even know how to narrow it down. And like, I would want to resurrect. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing.
1: Cause I, you just said how many more lo- movies and how many lines. I didn't even think about all the lines we use of his today. Oh, I and quote it's like, him nonstop. even like, you know, not here not so or so here. much here, but, but like right, right here, <laughs> sorry, I'm doing the hand motion. You can't see that, but- But
0: you know, if yeah. you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Uh, I would resurrect Elvis just for my dad. Not because I like him, but my dad, I think that's the only person he's ever cried about. Really? Yeah. Any
1: celebrity that dad, Yeah. he's the only Elvis. one that
0: cried. Uh, Whitney Houston, my one of my all-time favorite singers. I mean, mm. I don't think we've ever had a voice like her in the industry. Uh, Robin Williams, you know, I, I loved his comedy too, Miss Doubtfire. And then, you know, I got to keep my- Fast and the Furious guy alive, Paul Walker. Paul Walker.
1: That's actually. A, I mean, all of them were good, but Paul Walker.
0: I mean, we'd have Fast and the Furious thirty by now if he was still Maybe. alive. We really would. Is and that, I wouldn't mind watching is it, that, dude. I watch all of them. Do is you? that the most I, I have? I think I stopped at uh, Hobbs. I can't oh, remember, yeah. like the tenth or eleventh one. I haven't seen the most too recent. I think I I can't Sean, remember. Sean is it Sean, Sean Hobbs? Hobbs? Yeah. 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 Is that the most overdone movie series?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I don't know of another one out there that's had that many and also that many that actually, you know, does pretty well at the box office. Yeah. I, I mean, and then you it. add the rock and then diesel. I mean, it, it's just an exciting fun. I, the last one was, pretty out there uh, as far as the stunts and and what they tried to do. The last one was pretty out there? (laughs) Well, I mean, all of them, but the last few actually have been like, oh, well, this is uh, a little overboard, but that's kind of what we expect from it now, and honestly, if it gets to 20 or 25 or even 30 in the next 20
0: years, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'll watch them. I'm just going to watch them. You still watch them. Yeah. We're rambling. Today, we're going to continue this cow tipping series. I think this is going to be the last one. We said that a couple weeks ago, and then it hasn't been. So, this week, because we're coming up to Easter, and because we're coming up to Life in Christ, that conversation, there's a lot of things that are said within the church that, in my opinion, are pet peeves. We're going to talk about it here on this episode. We're going to be tipping over the cow, or really the concept of confession, and what even is confess confession. Or like, you know, you, you hear it in the church all the time, confess your sins, and we quote a scripture. But the reality is, is there's only two scriptures that talk about confession. One is to God, which we're going to unpack in 1 John 1, 8, and 9. The other one is found in James, James chapter 5, verse 16. And we're going to unpack these verses and kind of set some of you maybe free in this idea of what confession is, what repentance is. We've talked about that before, and truly understanding this reality that we are permanently forgiven, whether you ask for it or not. Right. And before you misquote me and turn it off right there, you're going to have to listen to the whole episode to to understand what we mean by that. But
1: yeah, no, but I think it's important to get into this and see where it is actually mentioned. And then let's give some context to it. So you mentioned two verses. I'll just start with James chapter 5, verse 16. And really quick, uh, that verse actually says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And right away, if you notice I did not say confess your sins to God. Mm -hmm. I said, confess, and James says, confess your sins to one another. Because here's the deal, as we think about how maybe we have sinned, our first instinct is to ask God for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now, if that helps you to do that, I mean, knock yourself out. But I'm telling you right now, God doesn't need you to ask for forgiveness. Why do I say that? Because according to Hebrews, he remembers our sins no more. And so if you try to bring up one of your sins to God to ask for forgiveness from him so that he will forgive you of that sin, he's going to reply. If you would listen to his voice, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Hmm.
1: What sin? Because when it comes to sin, I'm going to say God has amnesia. He doesn't remember them. He can't remember them. Matter of fact, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, it says, love keeps no record of wrong. So if you think then the sin is wrong, God keeps no record of it because God is love. Hmm. And so, you know, I, I'm so thankful that we're forgiven in that way. But it does say here that we are to confess our sins to one another.
0: So, so actually not to the, God. the Catholics have it better than most christian churches. <laughs> <laughs> they do
1: when you go to a priest to confess. But I think it's as well like people you do relationship with, people you do life with. It lets them in on your on your process. Mm-hmm. Um I think it uh helps keep you accountable and I think it's good to to verbally process through where you messed up because what happens is and this is maybe true in my life, this might not be true for you, but for me whenever I know I've done something wrong and the longer I hold on to it, the longer I don't let someone in, the longer I don't, um, maybe if I have wronged someone, I don't go to that person and ask for forgiveness or confess the wrong that I've done. The longer I sit with it, the more my mind and my ego starts to justify where I'm at, what I did, the reason why I did it. And then I eventually get to a place where maybe I don't see it as something wrong anymore. And that is a dangerous and bad place to be because relationships matter our relationship when it comes to God we're solid we're secure we're a son a daughter permanently but man relationship that's why we're to flee sin that's why we're supposed to be held accountable and um, confess to other people the people that we've done wrong um, because we need to keep that relationship intact Um, we need to keep that relationship healthy and whole because sin destroys that
0: Sin destroys what the relationships with, with other people. people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and this is an illustration where it's just always our goal to go to, maybe we need to come up with a different one, but we all use like the having an affair, mm-hmm. right? So if I have an affair on my wife, um, I don't necessarily need to ask forgiveness from God because it's already forgiven. It's all permanently forgiven, you know, through Jesus's finished work on the cross. But I do need to ask for forgiveness from my wife. I do need to confess my sin maybe before my brothers in yeah. Christ, but my actual brothers to help me stay accountable and because of my position. And so that that relationship can be healed because if I do that, my relationship with God, God is intact fully, but my relationship with my wife, my boys, my reputation as a pastor, all that stuff starts to be destroyed and be crumbled. That's mm-hmm. why, you know, even in scripture, it warns against sin. Not yeah. that it separates us from God. No, he still came. He still calls out. And he still wants relationship not that doesn't separate us, but it does kill and
0: hurt our relationship yeah. and so disclaimer real quick, yeah, go ahead this we're not saying to confess to everybody. you should have a small circle that uh, you allow that you allow people in in an intimate way because again, that verse talks about the confession has a purpose, and the confession is for healing, for healing. and there are certain people. That will bring judgment or condemnation or are not safe for you to confess with so we're not just saying just confess to everybody but you do need to confess to people who believe in you who trust you who will hold you accountable but in a way that's bringing uh yeah. restoration not retribution yeah,
1: right and healing to your life emotional healing mm-hmm. right so yeah that's that's the first place so that idea of confession isn't about confessing to god yeah that's what we're trying to tip over
0: for sure right and, and you have to understand like what you said. I love what you said. To, forgiveness is us fully agreeing with how God views us. It's not asking for forgiveness. If you want to do that, I love that you said that. By all means, do that. But forgiveness happened 2,000 years ago at the cross. And so we have to come into this rec- uh, recognition of, man, I need to fully agree with how God views me, and he views me as his perfected kids because of what Jesus did. So confession is about this. Being of joyfully thankful for my righteousness because of Christ, and that is really good, really good news. In fact, you don't examine yourself to find sin; you examine yourself to find righteousness. And so we must be confessing sonship over our lives, not our sin. Right. Jesus dealt with our sin, right? And so which leads us to First John one uh, eight. I don't even have it pulled up. Do you have it pulled up? Can you pull it up real quick? Yeah. I'll give some can context. Me. Yeah. You go pull ahead. it up. So one First John. Uh, I think it's Paul, is it Paul? Or is it John? No, John. It's John, hello. John is actually speaking to Gnostics. These are a group of people who did not believe that Jesus took on human flesh and came to earth. They did not believe in his teaching. In fact, they were teaching false doctrines. And one of those false doctrines were that they denied the reality of sin. And so you might be listening to us and saying, oh, because you're permanently forgiven because of what Jesus is, that we're also denying the reality of sin. That's not what we're saying. There is a reality of sin. It just does not define you. And that is because of Jesus, not because I just don't believe in it. Does that make sense? So 1, right. 1 John 1, 8. Right, it so 8? 8.
1: Kind of reiterates what you just said. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Mm-hmm. So that again is answering the the question of who's he writing to. This is was this was to Gnostic um, believers who thought that you know the reality of sin wasn't uh, a truth. But here's the verse, verse nine, where we actually see the word confess. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness.
0: Yeah. And so at first glance, you might read that and think, wow, I have to confess. And then Jesus responds and forgives us. However, when you look at it in its original Greek, that Greek word for confess is the Greek word homo legoi. I don't even know how to say that homo. Logo, right. homo logo, and is made up of two base words, obviously one being homo and one being logo. Homo, as many of us know, as some of you might be snickering, means the same. Mm-hmm. Logo is means something said. So to confess sin is more than acknowledging its existence. To confess sin is to say the same thing about sin that God has said about mm. it. So we must come into agreement with the logos of God, the logic of God, which is most accurately displayed in the word made flesh, Jesus Christ himself. So confession is about saying the same thing about our sin that God says about our sin. And we must align our thinking to what Christ has already achieved. And that achievement happened 2000 years ago.
1: Right. And so then the, what God would say about us is that's not who we are. And maybe it have been something we've done, but what you've done has been forgiven already. You're already forgiven. I don't know what you're talking about when it relates to your sin, but also if we listen to Jesus, go make it right with your brother or sister, right?
0: Because forgiveness is a big part of the whole gospel message. And so people, especially church people will be like, yeah, I know I'm forgiven, but, and they always put a, but on the end of it. And it's, no, you're missing the the reality. Is confession is saying the same thing about your sin mm. that God says. Confession is not about oh God, I'm sorry for this and I'm sorry for that. And I'm sorry. Th- that's not what biblical confession is about. In fact, we confuse a lot of what we believe about confession with the same with a similar phrase called yeah repentance. with repentance. Yeah. So right
1: a- because if we think about it, those two kind of go hand in hand, repentance and confession. And we kind of sometimes blend the two, but they're completely different. Matter of fact, if we just unpack real quick, this idea of repentance in the Greek, it's actually uh, the word metanoia. And it means to change your mind or to change the way that you think. Um, There's this dude, uh, an early church father, 198 AD, his name's Tertullian. And he actually wrote this. He said in Greek, Metanoia is not a confession of sins, but a change of mind. Hmm. I love that. It's not a confession of sin. It's a change of mind. And so other definitions for uh, repentance include come to your senses, come to your right mind, um, or to intelligently understand. Or in other words, basically, and this is a sermon series we even came up with, the word actually means to look again. Look at what you're operating in, look at the system you've established and now how you are relating to God. Look again at your righteousness, peace and kingdom, right? Look again, is the kingdom alive in your life? And if you think about this, this is crazy. And actually, you brought this up last week. Um some versions of the Bible say that God Himself actually repented, mm-hmm. and Genesis we get 6, 6, this: 6, Exodus yeah.
0: thirty-two, fourteen; Second Samuel twenty-four, sixteen; Jonah three, ten. Just so you don't misquote us and say there's no way we just gave you the Bible references. Yeah,
1: those Bible references, and it's the actual Hebrew word nikam, something like that, um, and it means to uh, it means relented. And so, in otherwise, in other words, some of those translations say he changed his mind. But if you look closer. Um, this has nothing to do with confessing sin, right? Because it's God; He wouldn't be confessing that He sinned. Mm-hmm. God does not sin, mm-hmm. right? And if you actually look at the look at those verses, you'll be able to see that it does say that God repented or He changed His mind. And so, repentance can't be about confessing sin. So, really, we blend them and put them together, but really, they can't be the same. Re- you know, repentance can't be about confessing sin. Uh, repentance is solely about changing your mind hopefully, therefore, changing what
0: you do. Yeah, that whole look again ideology. So repent is the first word that Jesus used in his public ministry after his baptism. It's the first word that John used in his public ministry in the Gospel of John. They both say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what that understood to a first century Jew is again, look again, look again at what you've been operating. You've been operating in the old covenant, but repent, change your mind about how you view covenants because the kingdom is here. And how is the kingdom here? It's Jesus alive and active, no longer in a tabernacle system, but he's with you. And then when he ascended, he brought his Holy Spirit so that the kingdom of God is always alive and active in you. And this is is really important, in my opinion, to understand is because when you get proper understanding about confession and repentance, when you you, look again at how you view yourself in light of how God views you, forgiveness is this permanent reality. You know, forgiveness, like we already said multiple times, happened 2,000 years ago when God reconciled the world to himself through Jesus. But now we're not just forgiven, we're justified. Ephesians talks about us being justified. Justified means just as if we've never sinned. So what Jesus did on the cross actually makes us innocent, never guilty, permanently forgiven. And how can I even say that? Well, again, those aren't our words. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of several different authors in scripture who write and wrote that God took away the sin of the world, John one twenty nine. that he remembers our sin no more by nailing it to the cross, Colossians 2 14, and as you already quoted, Hebrews eight twelve and Hebrews 10 17 and 18, God has removed our transgressions as far as the east is to the west. That was Psalm 103 12 before uh, the, the cross even happened, which is an interesting conversation because Anyways, and no. even Isaiah prophesied that this would happen through the Messiah in Isaiah forty three twenty five. In Christ, there is no more condemnation. John three eighteen and Romans eight one. If God does not remember our sins, why do we? In fact, the more we remember our sins, the more of a problem sin is in our lives, and this is why many can never overcome their issues because they're fo- focusing more on their behavior than they are their Savior. So we must let go of our past and cast our own sin away from our own memory because Christ already has. Jesus did not take away our ability to sin. He took away the effectiveness of it. And that is really important to understand. And so as we come up on the celebration of Easter, I actually, Easter is one of my least favorite holidays. Really? I don't like it. And here's why. I'm probably, I'm actually preaching Easter for the first time ever. And I have a specific assignment. I'm really torn on it still. I haven't fully written what I'm going to talk about. But I I recognize that a lot of people come to church only on Easter. And there's no shame if you're one of those people. I really don't care about that. What I have a problem with Easter is the church collectively tends to ramp up all of this energy and celebration. And I get why. And and of course they should. Easter is amazing. But Easter is a daily reality. Because Easter's not happening this weekend. Easter mm-hmm. happened 2,000 years ago. Yep. And so we're not, that's probably one of my big frustrations as we wrap up all this, or, or ramp up all this energy, and it's like, I, I want people to recognize that's a daily reality for them. That because Jesus got up from the grave, he's not getting up this weekend. He got up 3,000 years, 2,000 years ago so that you could have confidence, permanent forgiveness, permanent identity, permanent sonship, to walk out the kingdom of God, Today. That's not going and doing whatever you want. We talked plenty about that. That's empowering people. So now you see people as Jesus sees people. And instead of knowing everything that you know about them, you can still call out encouragement. You can still call out compassion. You can still call out fruit in their lives. Say, hey, you're better than how you're thinking, how you're living, and I see the best in you. And that's our job as Christians. And that's why the world should be attracted to us because we live Easter.
1: Yeah. I've, I've said years ago and started saying it. And I think I say it like every Easter whenever I would preach, like, I know today is amazing, and we're celebrating, you know, the fact that we remember how Jesus resurrected, that he's alive, but we should be living every day out of that reality of the resurrection, because if we believe it happened, then every day should be lived celebrating the life that we have in Christ.
0: Yeah, and that, that's just beautiful, good news. Jesus did not take away our ability to sin. He took away the effectiveness of it, and that's why we worship Jesus. Not not because we need to feel sorry for the things we've done. We we need to go make it right with people for sure because when you sin, you sin against other people. But your relationship with God has always and will always be intact. And hopefully that's encouraging and empowering so that I, for me, this, this blew up in my mind like eight years ago being here is I can remember my own personal experiences. I would try to remember every single sin I ever committed growing up and tried to, pray for forgiveness for it. Cause I was terrified of going to hell. Mm-hmm. And so I never recognized and then walked in the fruit of knowing that I am a forgiven human right? because of what Jesus yeah. did.
1: And it's so important because you'll have people out there saying, okay, you, you remembered, you went through the checklist of everything that you, you remember that you did wrong. But what about those sins that you couldn't think of, right? We have the sins of commission or the sins of omission. Heard it and, all. Hey, I've, I've been there. I've preached yeah. that.
0: So if if you, and and here's what we said that was kind of controversial at the beginning, I hope you listened to the whole thing. Yes, you don't have to pray for forgiveness because forgiveness happened 2,000 years ago. The reason for why you admit and your need for Jesus is so that you wake up to the reality that has already been yours. So you didn't get forgiveness when you prayed for it. You got forgiveness because Jesus is bigger than your need to pray for it. That happened 2,000 years ago. So when you recognize that, it changes, in my opinion, everything. It changes even how you relate to God because it's no longer this prayer life is not about you confessing prayer life is about you aligning yourself to how God views you and let that empower you in your day to day. Yeah. I think
1: even the, the verse that I used this past week and you helped me with this, this idea that Paul says to pray without ceasing, mm-hmm. that phrase just means to come, to rest. come and to rest. so Some of you are in turmoil, um, maybe you're striving to get forgiven or you're thinking all these things are you know, against you, and maybe you are feeling very heavy and there's a weight. Man, begin to release that. Begin to come to rest in Jesus's finished work, what he did for you 2,000 years ago, and awaken to the reality that he is alive in you and you do have access to righteousness, peace, and joy. It's called the kingdom right now.
0: Yeah. So hopefully that brought some freedom to you because the goal of this podcast was to let you know that you are loved, and there's nothing you can do about it.